Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas and beyond with Tommy Castor and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say we are only mildly entertaining. I say we are exactly where we are supposed to be. Persevering through severe thunderstorms and boiling water to bring you the latest and greatest in Wichita sports on episode 98 of the Keeper of the Games podcast. I am your host, Blake Cripps, joined once again by Timothy Castor. We are live at cogsports.com, facebook.com slash keeper of the games. At CogPod on Twitter, CogPod.Podomatic.com. The videos on YouTube. The audio is pretty much anywhere. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Apple, and so much more. We've got plenty to talk about, but we will go first to Tommy. Tommy, how are you doing today, sir? I mean, I was doing well. Uh, I don't know if you realized it. You called me Timothy. Uh, I in, did in the open. I, I don't. I don't know why. Why you chose to do that? But I uh, mean, uh, that's the long version. Of, is that the long version of Tom? Of no, Tommy? it's not. But Tommy's uh, the long version of uh, no. Tom. No, a uh, Thomas. Thomas. Maybe? Yeah. Um, Timothy yeah, would have been better. Would be long for Tim, and or Timmy. Uh, but you know what? It, it, <laughs> like, it is what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, the, the perseverance uh, phrase that you used is absolutely correct. Uh, my wife is out of town this weekend and she didn't take our kid with her. So I am on dad duty solo wow. for the entire weekend coming up. So, so I mean, um, you so you're basically an apostle just like Timmy, Timothy and Thomas. So there you go. It all sure. ties together. Fair how's enough. That, how's that that bonding time been working for you? Uh, it's good. Um, changed a lot of poopy diapers. Um, and, you know, basically that's what happens when, uh, you know, you, you don't have your better half uh, at home. But we're having a fun time. And I just figured that it's easier for him to not wear pants because I'm taking his <laughs> pants off all the time to change his diaper. So sure, might as well just not real excited to get this update. Might as well just not wear pants. That's the that's the easiest thing to do. Well, uh, good luck with that. Uh, we do want to remind you to like, share, and subscribe the show, whether you're tuning in for Tommy, Timothy, Blakerish, or Blake. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, like, share, and subscribe with all of your friends uh, on whatever platform that you're watching or listening on. We really appreciate it. We're going to get into some baseball today with the Royals and the wind surge. One team stinks, the other one doesn't. And a look at the upcoming defending national champions. There has been some college basketball news we need to get to, but we're going to start with with a Wichita State whip around to go through a couple of news and notes that I think we should get to for Wichita State. We'll start with men's basketball. Obviously, the team is starting some of their summer programs, their off-season conditioning, and a lot's been made of Craig Porter being the only player to come with two years of experience returning to this Wichita State team. It's going to be a big-time challenge for Isaac Brown to reforge and rebuild this team. And for a lot of Wichita State fans who have already made their decision, I feel like this is going to be a referendum on Isaac Brown this year. And maybe for a new athletic director, we'll get to that in just a second, on what IB's future is going to be with this program and you know maybe his career as a college basketball coach which I think is, a, is slightly unfair to boil everything down to just one season. Uh, but obviously there are going to be big-time expectations for maybe not a return to where the Shockers were even just a season ago before this last year, which was a disappointment, and certainly not to the era of Greg Marshall when he had things rolling. But I think that there definitely is going to be a little pressure to see some steps and see some movement in the correct direction. And obviously Craig Porter, not a huge part of last year's team for Wichita State in terms of scoring and production, did play a lot of minutes, um, but he's going to be the guy that is going to have to be at least the leader on paper and the leader emotionally for this team, at, at least at the beginning. They've got a lot of guys who can come in and certainly when you bring in the type of talent that Coach Brown believes that he has brought in, 
hopefully you're going to have some players who can really step up and play and be studs because Shockers have got to replace a lot with Etienne no longer in the fold, Dexter Dennis, Morris Udeze all leaving via the portal. Um, there's going to be a lot to replace. And so uh, what are your thoughts on where Shocker basketball finds itself here as we approach the July 4th holiday next month, uh, looking to try to get rebounded and get reset for the 2022-2023 campaign? Well, you know, I think that when you look at the all the players that transferred out of Wichita State right before Greg Marshall uh, left the program under that cloud of controversy, I, I feel like that was a little bit of a different situation um, that, that sort of shined the light on what was happening within the culture of the program. Whereas I feel like this current crop of Shockers transferring out and I don't know, I don't have any kind of inside information, but it just feels different. It feels like this is just the state of college basketball now (laughs) where players are going to utilize that transfer portal. And you're almost more shocked if a player decides to stick around than the other options. So, you know, I I don't feel as though this is a, uh, a bunch of players that have made up their minds on the viability of Isaac Brown leading this program long-term. But I do think that a lot of players nowadays with the NIL opportunities that are uh, plentiful and with what other high level programs can utilize to attract players to their program. A lot of players have the grass is greener on the other side mentality and Maybe it is, depending on the situation, and, and maybe it's not. Uh, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all category, but I Isn't think it, it is. interesting, Tommy, how these we the guys, both coaches and players, put so much into that initial recruiting window and picking the right school only to leave like five or six months later? That's, a, that's astounding to me. It is, and I think that, you know, Part of the the reason that we're talking about this as it relates to Wichita State, which I know we'll be getting into a little bit later on in the program, is the fact that Wichita State has uh, kind of lagged behind in the NIL world. And, and so you look at some of these players that have transferred out, and regardless if it's been made public or not, you would, I think, venture to guess that a lot of these players, especially the more high-profile ones, your Dexter Dennis's, your Morris Udeze, some of these other guys, are, are getting more of an NIL situation than what they were getting at Wichita State. I think that's that that plays into it. Does Isaac Brown shoulder some of the the blame for that? I, I think maybe to a little bit of an of an extent. We talked at length when Darren Boatwright lost his job about just how the university as a whole was lagging behind in the NIL world. And so um, I, I do think that trickles down to the head basketball coach, but ultimately his job is to not secure NIL deals. His job is to coach the basketball team. Uh, although He's not I, even allowed technically to right. do NIL, is he? Right. Like how, well, how much, I mean, so if we try to parlay this because I think everybody's had their opinion on NIL and all the coaches have made their opinion, how much do we think that that made their opinion known? I should say to finish that thought, how much do we think like is bill self and these, is he in the room when they're making these deals at Kansas? I don't know the answer to that. I, I, you know, maybe we ought to get Matt Beatty back on the show at some point since he's actually, you know, involved in the day-to-day transactions of this kind of business but I I feel like even at like do we think that John Calipari is inking these deals at Kentucky or Nick Saban's doing this at Alabama Davo Sweeney is yelling it from the mountaintops that Clemson's not doing this and they're not doing the transfer portal and that's not for them and all this so I mean do how much do we think that the head I mean the head coach obviously is always has always and will always be one of the primary considerations for why players come into or depart a program. The quality of that relationship, the quality of that coaching that you're getting in that relationship that you build with that coach. Is that are players attaching a dollar sign to that relationship now? I'm not sure how much I don't know if I buy that Bill Self or these other coaches, I mean, while being cognizant of it, I don't know if they're, you know, how much they're selling and you know, maybe I just don't know how much is going into this NIL though for these for these kids now. But it's such this a is wide not, 
this role. is not the first time that players are, you know, that they, they they tend to attach dollar signs to a program or a coach. Look at what you mentioned, John Calipari. Look at what he hangs his hat on. It's not about come to Kentucky and be a four-year guy and we're going to win championships. It's we're going to get, get you to the NBA. That is what he hangs his hat on. So, yeah, you've got recruits that they're attaching dollar signs, maybe you know, a little bit delayed dollar signs, but dollar signs after the fact because of John Calipari and and Kentucky. Um, So this sort of thing has been prevalent for a long time. Hell, you look at the Adidas deals and the Nike deals and it's, it's a, it's a lot less back room now, but it's, it's nothing. It's not a lot different than what it was. It's just now people can be more open and vocal about it. And players can actually, sort of take things into their own hands to try to better themselves in the immediate with really no consequences whatsoever. So, but going back to the Wichita state situation and Isaac Brown, I do think, and we talked about this again, when Darren Boatwright was removed from his post, uh, you know, a few weeks ago that not only for Isaac Brown, but also for Eric wedge, the next season is going to be crucial for both of them because they're going to have a new athletic director that did not hire them coming in. And, you know, especially to maintain competitiveness, not just on the field or on the court, but also competitiveness when it comes to TV deals, competitiveness when it comes to conference realignment, competitiveness when it comes to the NIL. It's going to be so essential for guys like Isaac Brown and Eric Wedge to show that progress on the field and to turn things around. And so I would venture to guess that this transfer season and the recruiting process and all of that this year is probably the most important that it has been during the Isaac Brown era at Wichita State. Moving on to Wichita State softball, a couple of big-time awards came in for a couple of players on that team. Sydney McKinney, second-team All-American. She's the first two-time All-American in Wichita State softball history. Addison Barnard, a first-team All-American. And uh, I tweeted out uh, pretty demonstrably, and uh, no regrets about this opinion, don't think these are going to be the last of All-American awards that these two young ladies win uh, in terms of NIL deals, you would think and you would hope that based on the sellout crowds that they got over there, that these two young ladies and probably Lauren Lucas and maybe some other players as well are going to be eating some queso, if you know what I mean, here in the next couple of months or so. The other, I mean, the other, I know I'm kind of cutting you off here, but the other thing to point out when it relates to NIL is that I think people have it in their minds that this is just, you know, six-figure deals with car dealerships and things like that. One of the biggest things that we've talked about in the past that the NIL opens up and allows for are players like Sydney McKinney to host clinics and camps. And I saw on Twitter that she was, I don't know if it's already happened or if it's coming up here in the next couple of weeks, but she's been promoting pretty heavily that she's got a a softball clinic coming up and to sign your kids up and, and that sort of thing. And that's an opportunity that, wasn't allowed. It, it wasn't something sure. that, that players could do for money to make extra cash on the side. The girls in Wichita who are like in the fifth through yeah. tenth grade, huge. Like, oh, my, like you can go and get coached. And what are the chances that probably Addison Barnard signs up to, to right. sign, shows up to sign some shirts one of those days in yeah. camp? I'd say probably pretty high that that yeah. that happens. Um, and you know, the, so the opportunity for those youngsters to go out and get coached by, you know, Sydney McKinney, it's like, are you yeah. kidding me? It's That's not crazy. just, ma- it's not just major endorsement deals and commercials and things like that. It's the ability for, you know, these players to use their skills to coach a younger generation and to get a little bit of cash for it. And so, yeah, I would like to think, I mean, if I was a softball parent in Wichita or in the area, absolutely. I would sign my kid to go up and learn from a second team, all American in Sydney McKinney. I mean, that's a incredible opportunity. And the fact that she's right here in Wichita makes it even better. And the, the, it's just a very easy way that because you know we've seen when you go out to those games when it is sold out even when it's not there's a lot of young girls that are there watching they're watching those players and looking and seeing okay this could be me in the future which by the way um unbelievable free although i mean it's not necessarily free i mean 
Christy Breitbanner is probably going to give her access to the facility, I'm guessing, but like free recruiting for Wichita State <laughs> softball. So Coach Breitbanner is like, yeah, have the field for a week. Can you get a second week done? Sure. Let's have, you know, get have, where's the Addison Barnard home run clinic? Let's just have girls out and have a home run derby for charity or something. But yeah, free recruiting for Wichita State softball. So it really is a win-win for all the parties all around on that. Um, one other major story we have to get to, nothing yet on a new Wichita State athletic director. We've heard the musings about the list and some possible candidates. And I know that I think it was Taylor Eldridge reported that, you know, of five candidates. And I don't know if those are ones that he's confirmed or just ones that he is inferring. But, you know, there are names that have been tossed around. You've tossed out one. I've tossed out a couple as well. Um, I'm a little surprised that this is an, a, a position that is still open and that it hasn't been hired yet. I do realize that, you know, I guess we are in the offseason and Wichita State does not have football. So maybe there's not that just real um, pressing need. Like it felt like when KU needed a new athletic director, they moved pretty fast. Because, I mean, spring football was coming up. There is a need at KU, obviously, to reinvigorate at that time the football program. And it feels like you need an AD on site to do that. Maybe at a school like Wichita State without football, maybe it's not as pressing. But I feel like, you know, for Wichita State, you got to be looking at getting people back on board with basketball, getting people back on board with baseball. And there's still, you know, there is not any time off in this business. There really isn't. So I'm a little surprised that we don't have a name yet and there hasn't been an announcement. How surprised are you and what do you think this timeline is going to look like? I mean, I'm a little surprised, uh, but I know that Sarah Adams, uh, you know, has been obviously tapped as the interim athletic director sure. for Wichita State. And so it's not like there there isn't anybody captaining the ship, you know, right now. Uh, so that's good. But I, I do anticipate that that we'll see someone. I would imagine he, you know, maybe around the Fourth of July would be just a, a July, wild right? guess. Because uh, then at that point, if, if that doesn't happen, you're looking at two months from the time that uh, Boatwright was let go to to then. So you'd like to have somebody in place uh, by by that point. But yeah, I, I am a little surprised that it's not been that there hasn't been a. a a list of here are the candidates. Here are the people that we are going to interview. We know that uh, President Muma has enlisted a search committee of prominent shockers, uh, several of whom were former athletes and prominent athletes. I know Evan Wessel uh, from from basketball is on that search committee alongside several others. Um, I think Nate Robertson maybe is yeah, on that, that name committee. Rings a bell. Too. So there are several prominent former shockers that that are in that committee, um, and maybe they're just keeping it very close to the chest. I, I I'm with you. I read that article from Taylor Eldridge, and outside of the five people that he posted, it's not like I'm necessarily hearing rumblings about anybody else. Really, I haven't heard rumblings about anybody, but just those five people uh, in in the article. I guess one of the big questions for me is. Does Wichita State, is it a prerequisite that whoever they bring in has some kind of tie to Wichita State? Um, either no. worked worked at Wichita State at one point as an alum, has some kind of connection, because three out of the five do. Three out of the five that Taylor Eldridge wrote about do. The other two don't. And what I find interesting about the final two, they both have ties to KU. Mike Harity, who is, I think, the deputy athletic director for Army, was one of the candidates for athletic director at KU when Travis Goff got the job. And then Sean Lester is a name that it's always been interesting to me. And, and I, I I don't know Sean personally. I've been around him a handful of times. That's an interesting name to me because he's the, one of the associate ADs at, at KU. Uh, he has been with the Jayhawks for nearly 20 years and has been interim athletic director a couple of different times at KU and has you know he has not done the whole grass is greener on the other side situation he has stayed at KU through multiple athletic director tenures you know including kind of unusual including let's not forget the disastrous tenure of Jeff Long he was there 
as one of his lieutenants during that time and has and stuck around. He was there in the Lou Perkins era too, which Lou Perkins' yep. departure was not necessarily, you know, on the best of terms. Right. Shane and I believe, Singer wasn't yeah. it wasn't exactly ushered out on a red carpet right. either. And I, I don't know he was I don't think he was named interim athletic director. He wasn't after Jeff Long, uh, because that was that was a uh booster that was named interim yes it was a booster um, he was named interim in september of 2010 and he was uh until after lou February perkins right that would have been when lou perkins that would have been when shan zinger was and then hired shan, yep and, and then, then after was, shan zinger correct and then he was the interim may through august in 2018 so again going back to this you know, athletic director search, maybe this is not all that uncommon because we just look at these two from Kansas. Sure. I mean, September to February, that's almost half a year. No athletic director, May to August. That's a pretty quick turnaround. So maybe, maybe you know, maybe I have it in my mind that I thought that they were going to move faster, but maybe it's perfectly normal and, and acceptable to, to not move faster. Although I, I, would, I would say, and I think you would, you know, probably agree with me, I don't know if KU exactly knocked it out of the park with either one of those hires. Shane Zenger definitely did a lot for Kansas, but did not do did not accomplish his primary goal. And you know, Jeff Long, we know what kind of a abject <laughs> train wreck that was. Um, but so I, I don't know if necessarily waiting like KU did is what Wichita State should do if they think they've got their right guy or 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 gal. You know, you know, go ahead and move in. But that is an interesting name. The one name that I keep going back to is. Uh, one guy who has ties, I believe, to Wichita State, um, but also has ties to Kansas State University. That's Scott Garrett at Cleveland State, who your friend and mine, Ryan Beatty, he's been, uh, or Matt Beatty, he has been extremely open. And, you know, Matt Beatty obviously was raised a lot of money for Wichita State when he was uh, at uh, in the athletic department there as one of the guys in charge of finding those major gifts and then spent about a decade doing that up at KU. So if anybody knows this business and cares about shocker athletics, it's going to be Matt Beatty. But um, Scott Garrett is a guy that he has shouted from the rooftops is who yeah. is who Wichita State would hire. Was he in that list of five? He was. In fact, I'm pretty I sure he was, he was number one on that list. And and I, I want to clarify with both Mike Harity and Sean Lester I'm not advocating for either one of them. Uh, I, I, they were fourth and fifth on Taylor Eldridge's list. I just did thought, he have them listed in terms of or was uh, that in no particular I don't order? know. I mean, the first three all had. Ties I want to know State. the Taylor Eldridge power ranking for future Wichita State I mean, ads. Maybe we get Taylor Eldridge on the program because I can't yeah, answer for we him. Sh- we but probably I, should. I do know the first three all had ties to Wichita State, and then Harity did not, and uh, Sean Lester did not. I just thought it was interesting, especially if Wichita State chooses to go in a direction outside of the Shocker family. Now, for those who are listening to this podcast and not watching it, when I pose the question, does does Wichita State have to stay within their family? You adamantly shook your head no. No. But I know that you mentioned Scott to. Garrett, so if he does have ties to Wichita State, I'm okay with it. To me, it's not a disqualifying factor. Sure. But it's not something that is that has to happen, for me at least. And, you know, I, I think that sometimes you can get into this trap of, oh, we've got to be inside the family. We've got to – we have to have a Michigan man for this hire because that's our tradition and that's our culture and that's what – you know, because going back to Michigan and they always only hire Michigan men for their jobs. That's not necessarily the way that you have to go. I think sometimes it's good to get an outside perspective. There had been a lot of success under the previous regime. There were a lot of problems at the end of that previous regime. And so maybe it is time for a clean break and a totally fresh set of eyes on the program. If you are asking me who my favorite candidate is, it would be a guy who has spent time in Kansas at Kansas State and Wichita State. Scott Garrett would be my guy if I had to pick today who should be the next guy at Wichita State. I would go with Scott Garrett for all the reasons that Matt Beatty has said and more. He's a fundraiser. He's got experience in Power 5 conferences, and he's got experience you know, trying to build up an athletic department like he has done at Cleveland State. So to me, when I say no, I, I emphatically reject the notion that you must be a Wichita State guy to get this job or lady. Um, but it, to me, it is certainly not a disqualifying factor to be a candidate for the job. The other thing that I'll say about Scott Garrett is that 
he has experience in the top job. So we're not talking about bringing on someone who was a top assistant or, or an, you know, an associate or an interim. Sure. He is the athletic director currently at Cleveland State. Yes, Cleveland State is a smaller university than Wichita State is. But he has been an athletic director. And I think that, that having that experience as an established AD that does help. It, you, it's not a, regardless if you spent it, regardless if I've got a ton of respect for a guy like Sean Lester, who has spent 20 years at KU as the associate a couple times interim athletic director. That's, that's awesome. And there are a lot of people like him, but y- you get promoted to be the permanent top dog. There's going to be a learning curve. Even if You've spent 20 years with that university, even as an associate. There are different things you're going to have to learn as the top guy. Scott Garrett is currently the top guy, so I think that that learning curve is going to be a little less steep. Also very interesting that Cleveland State does not have a football program, so he kind of knows what that's like as well. Uh, Bonus points for you. Can you name Cleveland State's mascot and conference? Uh, is Cleveland State in the Ohio Valley Conference? No. <laughs> well, I mean, totally uh, wrong. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 do we have a sound effect for that? Probably not. I don't know. Uh, air horn. Uh, that was a complete guess. And then their mascot, are they the Bobcats? No. <laughs> I don't not know. Not even close. The, the Vikings Horizon League. Horizon oh, okay. League would be the correct answer. Fair uh, enough. It, uh, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Youngstown State, Detroit Mercy, Robert Morris, Milwaukee, Green Bay, some of the other schools in that conference. Just to give you an idea of the context there. Um, That's a premier, question, premier conference there. One of my last questions for you, um, what do you think is should be the top priority for the new athletic director at Wichita State University? Um, I think there are two. Um, number one, and I referenced it a little while ago, is getting Wichita State caught up in the NIL field um, and being – progressive with that um you know darren boatwright i think admittedly was a little bit reactive and a little bit dismissive and a little bit back on his heels about it um you know and i don't necessarily disagree with his reasoning at the time it was you know look like we were what they said it's what they said we're just doing what they said but you know fortune favors the bold is the old saying you know and and wichita state was not bold when it came to nil uh and so the fact that there's already been an NIL collective that has formed since darren boatwright left i think is a good first step but not only having an athletic director who can come in and can say, uh, look, like this is what we're going to do with NIL, but it's also to be on the forefront of what the rest of the country is doing with NIL and what the governing bodies are thinking about NIL and being a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to NIL, um, because you, you get caught with your pants down. It takes a while to catch back up again. And so I think that's incredibly important. One thing that I think we're going to start to see more and more of and Duke was, as far as I know, the first school to do it. I don't know if you saw this hired a general manager for their basketball program. And she was <laughs> a former Nike executive. And sure. she's now the quote unquote general manager for Duke men's basketball. And so I, and that person is sort of the liaison when it comes to NIL deals between the sponsors and the program. So the head coach doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, and so I think that we're going to start to see more and more of that. I would love to see Wichita state be on the forefront of that. Isaac Brown say, look like I need to get some budget money and hire a general manager for my program and have this person help me bring in these players and have deals ready for them. And whatever that process looks like, I think that's going to be important. Clearly it doesn't matter what teams did in the past. And I'm referencing the KU Adidas deal because if Duke is going to hire a Nike executive to help Duke <laughs> players get money, clearly none of that stuff matters anymore. So that's a different, you know, different story. Unless you're Wichita State but. baseball, in which case, if you got some extra hunting equipment, they're going to take, you know, like 70 wins from you. But, right. yeah. you know, but Whatever. Penn State doesn't get any any wins lost. Yeah. You know, not, so I, I not think that, that I'm still caught up on that or anything. <laughs> I think the NIL <laughs> is number yeah. one. Uh, I think number two is having an athletic director that is able to galvanize and unite Wichita State fans. Um, 
I'm somebody that has lived here my entire life. I'm a Wichita through and through. And I say this. Even though you're living th- in Andover. Well, whatever. I have a Wichita flag <laughs> license plate. I'm I'm a half Fair a mile enough. away from the county line. Uh, I I feel like this is going to sound like an insult to Shocker fans. And I don't mean it as an insult. I just okay. mean it as what I've observed over my 36 years in Wichita is that the Shocker fan base overall is pretty fickle and they're demanding for good reason. They want to see success, right? But if there isn't a certain level of success that they feel like they need to have, then the fans in a lot of cases just kind of stop showing up. I remember the roundhouse in the mid nineties. It was empty. Um, you know, shocker baseball over the last few years, the diehard dedicated fans that filled up X stadium, they're not really around anymore. Uh, you know, there same are still thing with, those old guys. When I fill in on PA over there, there are still those guys that have got like those old starter button up shockers jackets that Gene Stevenson used to wear. And you're like, man, I wonder how many games that jacket has been to. They're wearing the, the yellow and black headset radio. Oh yeah, listening to Mike Absolutely. Kennedy. You know, with, and they've still got the shocker, the the old Wu shock with the baseball logo yeah. that they don't use anymore. Yep, there are still those guys, but I mean, they're you all keeping the stands, score. They've got their score pads and they're keeping score in the, They're yeah. still there, right? But you are correct. You look around. When's the last time they had eight eight thousand there? Yeah, I it's don't know. Been the a long to that. time. It's been a while. And that was that was commonplace for a long time, you know, in, in this city to see that. Sure. And we're starting to see that with basketball again, and we're not that far removed from shocker dominance in basketball and an AAC championship two right. seasons ago. And, and there, there were games last year where they, it was a struggle to get fans to show up to Coke arena to watch the basketball team. So I think some of that, I don't want, I don't want this to be, just overall be a knock on the failures of Darren Boatwright. However, one thing that Darren Boatwright was not was charming and gregarious and out in the public. And, you know, I will say you have to temper that a little bit because Jeff Long was all of those things at KU and he was a train wreck. (laughs) However, I think it is important that you have an athletic director who is front and center, an athletic director who is verbal, an athletic director who is willing to step out of his comfort zone a little bit. I don't think Darren Boatwright really did that. Eric Sexton did. Eric Sexton was a guy that would go out and fundraise and shake hands and kiss babies. And he was... He was he was doing ribbon cuttings and handing out basketballs and he was doing all of that stuff. That's what the the new athletic director needs to be for Wichita State to try to galvanize this fan base again and get butts in the seats. I don't have as much of a philosophical argument as you. I have more of a logistical argument and a practical argument. I think okay. that the new AD needs to form a statewide Shocker Sports Radio Network. I don't understand why Wichita State doesn't have one. And I said it in 2013 when I had a show. I said they need a statewide network today, tomorrow, the next day, next week, next year, whenever they need to do this. Because Wichita State just got off a Final Four. You've got all kinds of Kansas people that are wanting to cheer and watch and find and follow this program. You've got a great play-by-play announcer in Mike Kennedy. You need to make this happen because you've got, you know, a Scott City guy on the roster. You can get an affiliate in Scott City, Kansas. You can probably get one in Goodland and Dodge City and Hutchinson. You know, the time is now to do this. And I think that that opens up more opportunities to spread the brand of the program. And there's other metropolitan universities that have radio networks. I think Wichita State needs to join them shortly. Uh, you know, do as and do as much as you can. Don't worry about well, we can't do all the games, or we can't. I mean, obviously for men's basketball, you're going to have all the games. I think that they can do that. But you know, I wouldn't worry about well, you know, we can't be as big as this Power Five program or this or Gonzaga. Worry about being as big as you can possibly be right now. Maybe you can't get all of the women's basketball games on a statewide network. I get that. 
Get as many as you can. Do what you are able to do. Do what you're able to do to get volleyball back on the radio. Do what you're able to do to get softball on the radio. Time has never been better to try to expand the coverage of Shocker softball. So that would be my priority and my challenge for the new AD is get a statewide Shocker sports radio network going. Mike Kennedy, you know, I think would be all in on doing that. And I think that it is you're just behind if you don't have some sort of statewide radio presence, especially in a state where you're competing against two other Division One schools that do have it and probably have some affiliates outside of the state of Kansas. I um, would take it. Uh, I'd take it a step further and say that. Sure. Really, I think where Wichita State falls short is any sort of outreach in general outside of the metro. Um, you know, it's it's pretty clear around the state who is KU and who is K-State, right? Like you get out to Western Kansas and, and farmland and all that, it's pretty dominant Kansas K-State. State you get more in the Northeast side, you know, it's, it's, it's KU. Generally speaking, you really don't, even in Wichita, it's like who's KU, who's K-State. There's not a whole lot of outreach for the university and the brand in general outside of the Metro right here. And I think that's something that, a, a sports network would certainly help with. Uh, but I think that there are some other initiatives that, you know, that need to be in place too. One last thing about Wichita state, uh, all three of the um, programs in the state of Kansas, Wichita state being one of them, uh, the university of Kansas, Kansas state, they've all three got athletes that are competing this weekend at the national uh, track and field NCAA championships, the outdoor championships in Oregon. Um, so good luck to the Shockers, Jayhawks, and Wildcats in that endeavor. And this just broke today that a longtime associate head coach of the volleyball program, Sean Carter, has departed. He is taking Chelsea Scott with him. She's going to be his lead assistant. He is joining the Bengals, going to be the head coach at Idaho State University. He has been a big part of some really, really, really good Shocker volleyball programs. Katie Riley, Abby Lehman, Tabitha Brown, two MVC uh, tournament titles, a regular season American Athletic Conference title. Uh, They went to three NCAA tournaments with him, one National Invitational Volleyball Championship appearance, a Missouri Valley Conference regular season title. He was instrumental in Coach Lamb, and and not that Coach Lamb isn't going to find great assistance, and I think that uh, Katie Riley is actually now back with the program, now with her married name, Katie Zimmerman. Um, So she's a great get, was a huge middle blocker, big part of the success that they had there in that stretch when they really had it rolling at the end of the Missouri Valley era and going in when they took the American by storm. So I know Coach Lamb's going to get things turned around here. I believe that he will here in the next few years. Um, But those are two big departures from the volleyball program as well. That's all I got, Tommy. Anything else that we have missed for the Shockers that we need to get to? Yeah, I have one more quick note for Wichita State. I don't know if you saw this or not. Within the last 24 hours, Jace Kaminska has entered the transfer portal. He will be leaving Shocker Ooh, Baseball. I did not see that. That's yep. that's not great. He was he was a guy who would uh, I, I think could could have helped Wichita State baseball he had next a, year. He had a little bit of a sophomore slump. I believe he was like maybe three and he nine. Did. His ERA was up over five, I believe. Um, now, obviously, he had a great freshman year, um, without a doubt. I think he had some conference honors his freshman year and that sort of thing, newcomer of the year. Um, but a little bit of a letdown last year, but he has entered the transfer portal. He will not be playing for Eric Wedge's squad next year. Let's go to baseball, where the Royals are currently leading the Baltimore Orioles 4-2 to in the top of the fifth in this game as it is being played on Thursday, June 9th. And if you look at the MLB standings as of today, your Kansas City Royals are, in fact, the worst professional baseball team in the major leagues with a record of 18-37, and 10-19 and at home, Eight and eighteen away, they have a winning percentage of three twenty-seven. There are guys in the major leagues who are hitting better than Kansas City's winning percentage. That is how bad KC is. Uh, Tommy, uh, we're going to get to the wind surge in a little bit. They are playing much, much better baseball, and get you the latest on them. Um, are you? Do you have any thoughts on the Royals right now? They're just so bad, so unredeemable. And just as I say that, the Orioles have tied the ball game <laughs> at four in the top of the fifth. 
Um, this season is all, it is not even Independence Day. And for all intents and purposes, this season is over for Kansas City. Uh, I've got a couple things to say. First off, and this isn't about the team, um, but it pisses me off royally that we live in Wichita and I cannot access a Royals baseball game on MLB.tv due to blackout restrictions. And I live three hours away from Kansas City. Bally like Sports drives, I know I have I have and- Bally. I have it on cable, but if I'm not on one of my cable TVs and I've got my fire stick in and I've got MLB TV pulled up, I cannot watch. Like right now I'm in my office. I don't have my cable in my office, but I have a fire TV and I can't watch the Royals and the Orioles because it's blacked out in Wichita in three hours away from Kansas City. Royally makes me mad. That's neither here nor there. Uh, the team. Uh, yeah. Look. The thing that I think is most <laughs> frustrating to me is that Dayton Moore has done a lot for the organization over the last oh, 15, sure. 15 plus years. Don't get me wrong. He absolutely has. John Sherman is a new owner in Major League Baseball. His story has yet to be told as an owner. The problem is Both of these guys, as it stands right now, are absolutely complacent. They're absolutely complacent with whatever crap this is that the Royals are putting out night in and night out. Uh, There's got to be a change. There's got to be changes made. And you look around baseball and teams have started pulling the plugs on their managers that those teams are doing significantly better than Mike Matheny is in Kansas City. Joe Madden lost his job with the Angels. The Angels lost 12 games straight before they fired him. The Phillies fired Joe Girardi. The Phillies were only a couple games under 500 when they fired Joe Girardi. Yeah, I didn't get that one, honestly. The, the fact that the Royals, really all they've done is offered up this sacrificial lamb named hitting coach Terry Bradshaw and said he's the guy that we're going to let go and he's going to be the sacrifice we make because we're not going to make any other sweeping changes, no wholesale changes. We're just going to be complacent with what we have and what they have is not good enough. And the the players are not performing. The coaches are not performing. The front office is not performing right now. And I don't know. The problem is, is that you could always say, well, yeah, but it could always get worse. And maybe they're waiting for it to get worse before they make a change. How could it get any worse right now? I mean, much worse. I saw this stat the other night that was just mind blowing to me. I don't know if you if you saw this. Not only do the Royals pitching staff, which is abysmal, not only does that pitching staff have the worst ERA in baseball. They are the they have the third worst ERA in the history of baseball. <laughs> in the history of pitching staffs since ERA was started to be recorded in the late 1800s, the third worst ERA by a staff in history. Now, I'm sorry, but to me that probably means Cal Eldridge should not have a job. But it sounds like his job is safe according to insiders that know what's going on in the front office. It sounds like Mike Matheny's job is safe. I wasn't a Mike Matheny fan when they hired him. I'm for sure not a Mike Matheny fan now. Dayton Moore is probably worn out as welcome in Kansas City. At this point, you can't believe the narrative that, oh, the Royals are just a year away or they're just two years away. They're in a rebuild. They've got all this young talent. They're just biding their time. They're not. They stink. They're awful. It's time to completely clear house. It's time for wholesale changes. You got to get some new people in there. Here's a couple other of a pretty uh, damning and uh, pretty incredible statistics. If you are a Royals masochist, if you're not, then just click over and listen to something else for about the next five minutes. Uh, it's the worst 50 game start in 16 years for Kansas City. Uh, Josh Vernier actually pointed this out on his Twitter account. He's on Sports Radio up there at 610 in Kansas City. The 2016 won Game 50. They were 13-37. and 37. Dayton Moore was hired the very next day. That's, wow. the, that's the amount of time since the Royals were this bad. 
Royals Farm on Twitter provides us with this little stat nugget. The Royals pitching staff is on pace to be one of the worst in MLB history. ERA minus compares ERAs to the league average ERA in their respective seasons. 100 is average. 99 is 1% better than average. KC's team ERA minus is 134. It's the worst for any team in any season since 1954. And by fielder independent pitching, fielding independent pitching, which is a statistic that focuses solely on the events a pitcher has the most control over, strikeouts, unintentional walks, hit by pitches, and home runs. It entirely removes the results of balls hit into the field of play because there are fielders, things take funny bounces, they cannot control things once the ball is in play. By FIP, minus, I think that's what they call it, fielding independent pitching, the Royals are 3,013th out of 3,015 teams in baseball history, history, by ERA minus, they are 2,634th among 2,640 teams since 1900. And Sam McDowell comes in a few days later, 12 hours. He released this today, coming in. Macho man Randy Savage style up the top rope with the elbow drop. The Royals don't get better when they arrive. And this is in his column. I think it's called, yeah, Royals pitching is historically bad. Here's what's even more concerning about it. You can read it on KansasCity.com. Seven Royals pitchers have come up, been called up from Omaha this year. They're first adding after the call up. They're amazing. They've given up one earned run at 19 and two-thirds inning, which is a 0.46 ERA. So you think, oh, farm system. We're just not pitching the right guys. Well, in their second outing, they have a 3.44 ERA, which you say, okay, they've given up seven earned runs in 18 and a third innings. That's not that bad. We can live with that. Well, in their third outing and beyond, Tommy, in 52 innings, those same pitchers have given up 33 earned runs for an ERA of 5.71. So these guys are good for about two starts, and then they get solved, and they don't get better. And they just get lit up and sent out of the yard. So this Royals pitching staff is a disaster. There's no reason to talk about the offense. Uh, the, the, this, the team is irredeemable. It's unwatchable. There's no I, – I, you know, I, I know we have to have something to talk about when we come back and do the show next month, but – with the Royals, I mean, we have. There's nothing. There's nothing to discuss. They they suck. They're terrible. There's, they there's nothing. There's nothing to discuss, unless John Sherman gets a fire lit under his ass and decides to actually that this is What's unacceptable. The that's going to happen. I don't. That, like mind. I said. Like I said before, his story is yet to be written as an owner. He's only been an owner for like a year, and so as of now. He's standing pat and not not making changes. I mean, uh, I don't even really want to say you fire the hitting coach and that's gonna that that shows that you're making changes. I don't really think that's that's the thing. But really, I mean, the, you pointed it out in that that stat that the day after the Royals, you know, after that game fifty in two thousand six, they hired Dayton Moore, and sixteen years later, they're back in that same position. It's not great, the, Bob. Probably the should be the end of the Dayton Moore era. I hate to I hate to say it. Like I said, he's he he brought world championship a world championship to Kansas maybe City. Three best years in Royals baseball history, maybe one thousand percent. I mean, back and, to back to back. Yep, one thousand percent. But you know what? What have you it's done for to, me lately? It's time to go. I mean, it's a it's a business. It's a fickle game. And uh, I, if I'm John Sherman, especially if you want fans to support your new downtown ballpark idea that you want to do at some point, which I'm not fully opposed to biggest eye roll ever from me. I'm not, not fully, you, but from I'm me. not fully opposed to it, but if that's, if that's your big mountain that you want to climb, you need to have a team that performs that fans will want to come out and watch if you're going to do that sort of thing. So you can't be complacent for too long if you're John Sherman and that's your ultimate goal. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. There's really nothing more to talk about with this team. There's no reason to break down any of the performances, any of the players. It's just a matter of are they going to just let it roll out for the rest of the season or can they start to make some changes now? The Wichita Wind Surge, on the other hand, they are currently in first place in the Texas League, leading the Texas League North by a game and a half over Tulsa. 
31 and 20 are the surge. They have the best record in the entire league. The best team in the South is San Antonio with a 27 and 24 record. And the wind surge have the best run differential in the entire league at plus 34. Spencer Steer absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. Simeon Woods Richardson had been uh, one of the best pitchers early on. He has kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, from from that early early pace, uh, but you look at what he has done. He he's he's bounced back pretty nicely. He's got a 3.0 ERA through 10 appearances. He's two and two. Louis Varland has made nine starts. He's got a 3.61 ERA. This is a pretty good pitching staff at the top for Wichita. They their bullpen has been a little bit inconsistent, but they have shown signs that at times they can really lock teams down. They have also blown seven-run leads this year, but at times they have been really, really good. And so the quality of baseball at the downtown arena here in Wichita has been pretty good. Wichita wins surge baseball backing up their AA Central Championship last year in prime position to win a Texas League Championship this season. Yeah, you know, obviously... In a in a game like baseball, you need more than just one star. You need several guys who can contribute night in and night out. So I'm not suggesting that this is just the Spencer Steer show, um, but he definitely has led the charge and has been the marquee guy uh, for this oh, organization. Definitely. He's somebody that when you watch him play, how how dynamic he is. I saw this towards the end of last year when he came on board with the surge. You just know when he gets up to to bat that he's seeing the ball really well. And he's somebody that the way that he works counts, the way that he hits all field, all directions, all fields, he can go opposite field if he needs to. Um, he hits like a professional. He hits like somebody that you could see in the big leagues. Uh, and, and I felt the same way about Jose Miranda a year ago for the surge oh, as I do about Spencer Steer now. And Jose Miranda, you know, has has gotten some action with the twins. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Spencer Steer be the next one to be called up to St. Paul. Um of course that's the nature of the beast when it comes to minor league baseball, you know, in Wichita. But it's great to see the success that the surge is having. Uh and, and that they were able to back up what they did last year with a strong performance this year. And, you know, it would be very easy for there to be a sophomore slump for this team. Um, you know, the inaugural year last year, a lot of excitement surrounding the team and the new stadium and, and all of that. And um, there could have easily been a drop off. There hasn't been. And so hats off to Ramon Borrega and to his coaching staff and uh, to the team. They've played great baseball so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing what more they can do. I think Spencer Steer actually has been called up to St. Paul. He has actually spent He's gone time. a couple different times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, he's been bouncing up and down. And so far this year, Spencer Steer, when he's in Wichita, has hit 307. He goes up to AAA. He's hitting 286 for them. So there's not a real big you know, dip down in his production. He's actually slugging the ball better at the AAA level. He's slugging about almost 100 points higher. His OPS is about 100 points higher at the AAA level. So unfortunately, we may not be seeing a whole bunch more of him down here in Wichita, which is a real shame because he's a fan favorite and certainly one of Wichita's best players. But uh, yeah, they've definitely got, the Twins have got some good ones coming up through their system. Not good luck if you're a Royals fan, but at this point, the team stinks so bad. It doesn't really matter what happens here in Wichita because they're going to beat the tar out of the Royals anyway. So you might as well just enjoy the fact that the wind surge are enjoying success because let's be honest, this is the only baseball team that's going to give you anything positive to cheer about <laughs> for about the next five months. Sorry, Royals fans. Uh, if you don't like that, um, get a team that actually matters. And then we'll talk about them. Um, a team that does matter next year, maybe even more than we thought. As we go to our last topic, the defending national champion, Kansas Jayhawks. Boy, was there a lot of movement in the last couple of weeks since our show. Here is what we now know. We broke it on the last show. Well, we didn't break it, but we told you on the last show, Christian Brown is gone. He is going to stand in the NBA draft. However, Jalen Wilson is back. Kevin McCuller Jr. is coming back to school. What a huge turnaround for this team. There was a time I did not think Wilson was coming back. I really didn't think Kevin McCuller. I thought that was all just 
pomp and circumstance and just basically PR media manipulation BS. There's no chance that Kevin McCullers coming to, he's never suiting up in a KU uniform. Well, glad I didn't make that position public because I would have looked like a moron. I wish you would have. <laughs> yeah, too bad for you. You would have had something to hot take horn me about, but not so fast. Kevin McCuller is joining the team. Jalen Wilson is going to be back. All of a sudden, Tommy, that team that was trying to win back-to-back national championships, and I know that even discussing that in this age and era of the transfer portal is kind of ludicrous, all of a sudden it doesn't sound quite as ludicrous. Certainly it would be an unbelievable feat to be able to pull that off and would certainly you know, vaunt Coach Bill Self into not just one of the greatest coaches of all time, but maybe the greatest co- maybe one of the greatest coaching jobs ever. Because, you know, this is not the wizard of, you know, this is not John Wooden doing this at UCLA when he's got basically nine of the 10 best players in the country. And it's no you know wonder he wins 10 championships in a row. This is doing it where the parody has never been better. There's never been more money, more resources put into college men's basketball than at any other time. It's more competitive now than it has ever been. Um, this is looking like a damn good KU basketball team coming back. I know you are extremely excited about Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller. What are your thoughts now as we look ahead, a little early, but an early look ahead at the defending national champion Kansas Jayhawk men's basketball team? Yeah, I mean, I am excited, obviously, that those two guys are are playing for KU next year, but I'm not ready to crown them. Um, you know, well, I'm I think not that, either. I'm I think not that, suggesting they're a favorite. I, I think that, you know, they with the return of Wilson and the addition of McCuller Jr., I think that they're a preseason top 10 team. Um, sure. But, you know, I, I again, it's not, it's difficult. Got to gel, got to come together. It's difficult to win one national championship. It's, it's damn near really impossible hard. to win two in a row. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, this absolutely raises their ceiling by having those two guys come back. I was actually more, I was kind of the opposite of you. I was more convinced that Kevin McCuller would play for Kansas than I was Jalen Wilson coming back. Um, I just thought, I mean, he he announced that I felt like if he was going to stay in the NBA draft, that he wouldn't have committed to Kansas. Like he tra- he Fair transferred enough. out from Texas Tech. Why would you tell Kansas? Why go fans, through all that? Why, sure. If you're ultimately going to stay in the draft, just stay in the draft and don't announce the school you're going to. So I was pretty sure he was going to end up in Lawrence. But Jalen Wilson, down to the wire. I mean, it sounded like even all the insiders weren't even sure. It didn't even sound like he was sure until the day of, right before the deadline, that he was going to withdraw from the draft and go back to college. And you know, good for him to go through that process. And he probably got outstanding feedback and was probably a guy that, you know, team said, look like, you know, you, you may not be drafted where you want, or maybe even at all, but we wouldn't mind signing you, you know, after the draft or whatever sure. those conversations looked like. And in, I'm sure in his mind, he thought, let me see if I can go back to college and, you know, get my skill set up a little bit more. And um, I'm excited to see him back in Lawrence. I think he'll be able to take on a little bit more of a leadership role. Um, You know, he, he's, he's been, he's kind of a Jack of all trades a little bit. Um, and we've seen that over the last couple of years with Jalen Wilson, but as his confidence grows, he has the ability to take over basketball games. And I think he'll be able to do that at an even greater level next season as kind of the unquestioned leader of of this team. And I've always liked the way that Jalen Wilson plays. And, um, so it does, it does raise the ceiling significantly for the Jayhawks, um, I really, I'm really happy with the way that this team has kind of come together with its roster, um, with the newcomers, the the transfers, all of that. I think it's going to be great. Well, let's talk a little bit about the recruiting class and the returners. Certainly the headliners for me are Dewan Harris Jr., K.J. Adams. I think that there are going to be some guys that played last year, like Zach Clements, that are going to get a chance to showcase themselves this year, but they're not certainly on the radar, I think, in as big of a way as Dewan Harris. Certainly he's going to be the point guard, everyday point guard leading this team. And I think K.J. Adams has a real chance to make maybe the biggest jump. When we saw his off-the-charts athleticism, the fact that he can really be a lockdown defender and be a spark off the bench, I think he's going to get a lot more opportunities this year. And certainly the recruiting class of Grady Dick, M.J. Rice, 
Ernest Uday Jr. and Zuby Ejiofor. Um, Grady Dick, certainly from our neck of the woods, being a Sunrise Christian guy and a Kansas kid, um, he is going to be at the top of everybody's list because of the name recognition that he has and the time that he spent down here in the Wichita area. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of these guys that are that are going to play, and it's going to be really exciting to see you know a starting lineup. I don't know who exactly the five are going to be, but you'd have to think that Dick Harris. McCuller, Wilson, those four guys for sure are going to be the four. Though I, I think it, is that a lock? Is that too strong? I think those four guys are are going to be very much in the mix. I don't know who the fifth will be necessarily, but but for those four guys, I think are going to be very strong contenders to be in that rotation. My biggest question with Grady Dick is going to be how does his game transfer to the college level and how raw is he as a freshman? I mean, sure. There've been plenty of times that we've seen really heralded freshmen coming in to Kansas and they've got a ton of talent and they're super athletic, but they're a little raw or they play a little sped up They're You know, got to get their legs under them. They got to get used to everything that uh, an elite college basketball program has at the college level. And it takes a little while for them to adjust. And, and some of them are able to, some of them not so much. Um, it'll be interesting to see if which category Grady Dick falls into. Now, he's supremely talented. Nobody can take that away from him. Um, but the, I think the question will come up, how quickly and how well will he be able to adjust? Also, one last little thought here. I know that people are always and already caught up in all these other guys. I just got a feeling that Cam Martin is going to bring a lot more to the table this year for KU than people think. You know, Ryan Hawkins went up and was a major part of a Creighton team that made a pretty decent run in the NCAA tournament this year. He was playing Division II basketball in the MIAA at Northwest Missouri, winning like three national championships. Cam Martin was a national All-American at Missouri Southern, competing with Northwest Missouri uh, his last couple of years for the MIAA championship. I just got a feeling that Cam Martin is going to show people a lot this year. I don't know that for sure, just a feeling that I have. Let's finally go to our last little piece of business here. It is time for me to click down here and hit the music as we go around our Wichita whip around. A couple of stories that maybe you missed around the Wichita Metro. Let's go to Thomas Castor. What do you have here for uh, your whip around today? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're not going to be doing a program next week. And so uh, this is the time to bring it up. The Wichita Open makes its return to the true. air capital next week at Crestview Country Club. It's the annual stop on the Corn Ferry Tour and always a lot of fun. And the, the Corn Ferry players uh, regularly vote the Wichita Open as their favorite tour event the entire year on tour. And so it will be making its return to Wichita next week. Uh, one notable note that's kind of redundant. One notable note uh, about the Wichita Open. This will be the final open for director Roy Turner of Wichita Wings fame, by the way, uh, the sure, old soccer originally. club. But he's been the tournament director for the Wichita Open for many years. He's retiring uh, after this edition and will be replaced by Dusty Buell, uh, who I've known Dusty for a long time. He is also a well-known soccer figure in Wichita. So the soccer pipeline to golf continues uh, in Wichita. He'll be taking over as executive director for the Wichita Open uh, next year. But that uh, tournament will take place next weekend. I plan to be there at least for a couple of days. It's always a lot of fun. Roy Turner is such a great guy in the Wichita community. Done a lot for charity. Super nice guy to interview as well. Um, I'm going to go to football. The Kansas City Chiefs are hosting a high school football event Tomorrow, that would be today as you are watching this or listening to this at Friends University. It's an 11 on powered by Nike high school football event, seven on seven games, position uh, specific drills. They are bringing the Lombardi trophy for photo opportunities. Greater Wichita Area Sports Commission. They've got an auction of some autographed items uh, to help raise money for families who are impacted by the Andover tornado this year. It's a youth football clinic. From noon to 5, uh, the Chiefs Training Lab, powered by GEHA, is also going to be on site. Event begins at 9, free to attend, concludes at 5. So if you don't have anything going on, uh, yeah, you might as well come down. Andover Central, Derby, Hutchinson, Lee Summit North, Mays, Pratt, Wichita East, and Wichita 
Northwest High Schools. Their football teams are going to be there. And obviously, uh, you look at 5A and 6A, uh, Derby and May Derby, Mays, Wichita Northwest, those have been some of the most prominent, and over Central as well, I think. Uh, those have been some of the more prominent teams that have figured into a lot of these state playoffs. So there's going to be a lot of high echelon high school talent at this event coming up uh, tomorrow. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, the fact that uh, they're utilizing the Friends University campus and they've got you know, the, the oh, big for friends. Oh yeah. And, and of course, you know, the, the chief staff, um, top of the line elite premier, and they're getting a chance to work with, you know, some pretty big name high school programs around the state. That should be a pretty impressive event. I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun before we wrap things up. Any additions, corrections or attractions for you, Tommy? I've got nothing. It was a pretty perfect show for me. Uh, yeah, probably not. Uh, I do have a couple of additions. Uh, in a on a melancholy note, uh, Verrill Switzer has died, Kansas State Football Hall of Famer. Uh, he is a Kansas State Football Football Ring of Honor member, the first scholarship black football player in the history of Kansas State and in the Big Seven Conference, second team All-American in 1951 at cornerback. Second team in 1952, first team running back All-American in 1953, played two seasons for the Packers before serving in the Air Force, a few years in the Canadian Football League, then worked for a decade at the Chicago Board of Education, then returned to Kansas State where he started several programs as part of a campus-wide student minority program, a very, very big part of Kansas State football history there. Sticking with Kansas State football, they are still reported as being in the mix for a couple of local big-time athletes who will probably be at that event coming up tomorrow. Four-star quarterback Avery Johnson of Mays. Kansas State is in the final three for him. Widely reported as being Kansas State, Washington, and Oregon. Dylan Edwards, a three-star running back from Derby, also considering OU, Jackson State, and seven other finalists. So Kansas State in the top ten for him. Kansas State men's basketball, Jerome Tang, adding David Gasson from Virginia Tech, who played in all 36 games for a Hokie team that won the ACC tournament. And the Big 12 announcing a two-year extension, keeping the men's and women's conference basketball tournaments in Kansas City through 2027, the men at the T-Mobile Center, the women at Municipal Auditorium. And Tommy, as far as I'm concerned, I think you echo this, the Big 12, Big 8, Big whatever tournament, as long as it's not Big 10, it belongs in Kansas City. Kansas City is its home. It should be its home. It should be its home for forever, even when these new schools come in. I think that they will be impressed by how Kansas City runs the tournament. It's always been a great event. It's always been associated with Kansas City first and foremost, and it should be a permanent fixture in Kansas City as far as I'm concerned. 100%. Not going to argue with you about that. What we will also not argue about is that we are going to take the next episode off, so we will not have a show for you here in the next two weeks. Of course, we're doing every other week this year here in 2022. Our next scheduled show will come up episode 99, getting very close to the century mark. Coming back to you after the January, or beg your pardon, the July 4th holiday. Boy, there's an error by me that I just <laughs> saved. Uh, we're going on the 7th of July, just after Independence Day. That will be our next show. Hope that you will join us then. Once again, like, share, and subscribe to the show if you enjoy the content. We really appreciate it. Cogsports.com, videos on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, and we're at ConcPod on Twitter. We will see you. Have a happy Independence Day in the meantime, and a happy Father's Day coming up as well. Uh, Tommy, your Twitter handle for our beloved audio listeners. How you, can can follow, you can follow me on Twitter at Tweets from Tommy. And I am at B-E-Crips, B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S. Uh, good luck to you Royals fans. You're going to need it this next month. Uh, probably not going to talk about you on July 7th. We'll find something to talk about. Maybe we'll be discussing a new Wichita State Athletic Director. We will find out. See you in a month on the Keeper of the Games. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod. That's K-O-G pod.